Okay, so you've finished your class, the weights are stacked. You've rolled up the mats, shut off the lights, and rehydrated. Now join me as we explore our passion, our career, on Group Fitness Talk Radio. With me this morning is Monica Reinigal. You'll know her as the nutrition diva. She is wonderful. I've listened to her podcast. She's been on for a little over a year now. I want to welcome her this morning. Monica, welcome. Great to be with you, Amy. This morning, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, eating. What to eat before um, four specific time frames, 6 a.m.-ish or right around there. Some of us teach at 5.45 or 6.15, 5.30 a.m., but right around that time frame. So the early, early morning, God bless those of you that teach at that time frame. Thank you so much. I sub at those times. I call it my community service. (laughs) And I wake up afterward and say, I hope it was good. Was it okay? I'm waking up now. (laughs) So 5.45, 6 a.m., 9.30-ish, noon, and 5.30. So Monica, if you would pleasure us, let's start with that early morning time frame. Well, you know, the issues are are pretty much the same, regardless of whether you're teaching early morning or noon or, or, or dinner time. The issue is how much fuel do you need in your system in order to be effective and feel good, right? That's the question. Absolutely. I think you may be surprised at what I'm about to say, less than you think. This really becomes an issue of comfort. Some people find it uncomfortable to exercise with food in their stomach. I know I do. I've made this mistake many times when exercising in the morning thinking, oh gosh, I better fuel up a little bit. Let me have a little yogurt. Let me have a little something here. And then been extremely uncomfortable during my workout, even from a fairly small light breakfast. Have you ever experienced that? Actually, yes. I am one that doesn't like to eat much before I teach. I know some people can, uh, you know, have a light meal before they exercise and feel fine. I'm not one of them. So then I began to wonder, well, yeah, but what happens if I've slept all night and, uh, and I get up in the morning and I hadn't, hadn't had anything to eat and I go to work out, aren't I going to bonk? Am I going to crash? Am I going to have the energy? And, and the answer really is no. If you've nourished yourself properly after your workouts, I'll skip to the punchline here, Amy. It doesn't really matter so much what you eat before your workout. What really matters is what you eat after your workouts. That's what sets up the next workout. In terms I love of that performance. And then, uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about recovery nutrition, but if you're doing, you know, the right recovery nutrition, you really should feel comfortable working out without eating beforehand, even if it's been all night since you've worked out. And I'd encourage people to experiment with this. I work out usually in the mornings and, and I've learned from experience not to eat beforehand because it cuts short my workout. I feel so gross, you know, that I, I cut it short. It had to be done. Well. Okay, right. so I know I can't eat before my workout, and sometimes uh, my morning gets away from me a little bit. I'll walk the dog, and uh, well, maybe it's, I see a couple of weeds in the garden that needs to be pulled. Before I know it, it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock. I haven't been to the gym yet, but I still don't want to eat, you know. So now it's been twelve hours, you know, since I've eaten, and I have found from from experimenting that if I just go ahead and go to the gym, have a big glass of water, and go to the gym, any little hunger pangs I may feel nibbling around the the edges go away. The minute I start to work out, I feel very comfortable for my workout. I get a great workout, and I'm usually pretty hungry at the end, but, you know, perfect. It's time to eat at at the end. So for your teachers who teach that 6 a.m. class who are eating simply because they feel like they need that fuel to get them through the class, I want to make a radical suggestion, and that is try it without and see how it goes. I think you might be surprised at how far you get because the the food that you're eating is not, you know, right before a workout is not 
really powering your workout. What's powering your workout is the energy that you've stored in your muscles at the end of the previous workout, you know, that sort of glycogen replenishment time. So okay. that's where we get into to recover eating. One last thing about, um, about that before we talk about recovery. There's a lot of individual variation here. You and me, Amy, sound like we're sort of similar. Like any food in the stomach just feels horrible. But some people may feel, look, if I don't eat something, I feel a little lightheaded. I feel a little queasy. I really don't feel well through the class. And, and you know, that's no good. If that's the situation and you feel like you really need a little... And, I, you know, this would apply at noon, at 5.30, whatever it is. You, if you need a little energy, what I would advise you to eat is something that is only simple carbohydrates. And that would be a piece of fruit, some diluted fruit juice, even some vegetable juice if you want to avoid the sugar, you know, like some V8 or, or, or something like that. These foods can give your blood sugar a little bit of a lift, but they clear the stomach very quickly. And so you don't have that heavy digestion going on during your exercise. If you feel, you know, through your trial and error that, no, I really don't feel well if I haven't had just like a little bump before I work out, then what I would suggest is no protein, no fat, just carbohydrates. Instructors who are teaching many times, you know, several times a day, they might be teaching at 6 a.m., at noon, or they're really using up a lot of muscle energy. Unlike me, who's working out once a day at most, they may actually find that, you know, that 6 a.m. class is a little hard to get through because they don't have huge energy reserves. Um but they still might not want to eat on their way to the gym. Um, and my tip for them, uh, which it may also be a little surprising, is have a little snack before bed. People, I think, sometimes think, oh, my God, if I eat a bowl of cereal or a yogurt or something right before bed, it's going to turn right to fat, you know, while I'm sleeping. Again, a little bit of a, a misunderstanding and an oversimplification of how metabolism works. And consider the circumstances. You have somebody here who's burning a lot of energy and uh, is not – storing those calories in the way that a more sedentary person would. So for a 6 a.m.er who's short on time or just feels like they're not quite getting through that workout with the right amount of energy, I would suggest a, uh, a test, you know, have a, have a bowl of a low sugar cereal uh, before you go to bed or, or some other, you know, wholesome snack that you like, you know, within an hour of going to bed and see if that doesn't carry over a little bit to a little bit better endurance for your class at 6 a.m. So you've got like kind of a fresh reserve before you. Yeah, I think it, it, it applies most to people who like maybe your listeners who are burning more ca calories than most of us who are depleting their, their muscle and liver glycogen a little bit more efficiently than, than the rest of us. But, but well, yeah, you, know, you got to find what works. You got to try what works. What we've said basically is what we've pre-eaten will give us the stores that we need for a good workout. If you need a little bump, do a simple carbohydrate before our workout. Yeah. Other than that, I recommend waiting anywhere between two to four hours, depending on how big the meal was, before scheduling your workout. And so for the early morning people, that usually means going right to the gym and eating afterwards. Perfect. Just like my mama used to say before swimming. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't that? know where that came from, but... Where did that come from? Because <laughs> we weren't really... <laughs> You've eaten. Right. We weren't really swimming, right? We were just kind of splashing around, but it was like we exactly. were going to get in that pool and sink to the bottom like a rock. Oh, goodness gracious. I had to sit by the side <laughs> of the pool. And she watched me like a hawk. And then she looked at her watch. Okay, you can Isn't go in now. funny? I know. Did your mom do Absolutely. the same Absolutely. All the moms then thought that that was, you know, <laughs> proven science. I don't know where they got it. You're going to die if you go in that pool one minute before two hours after you've had a cracker. Right. Okay, so we have worked out. Now let's talk about post-workout nutrition. Yeah, this is where I feel where the performance nutrition comes in. 
is after a workout, not before a workout. So before a workout, you're eating for comfort, basically, or you're not eating for comfort. After okay. a workout, this is when you're eating for performance. This is when you're eating for your next workout, whether that's right. the next day or, or, or you know, later that day, whatever, if you're teaching more than one class. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes it's sense. It's when the muscles have been depleted that you want to fill them back up, not right before you get ready to go out on the floor. You know, there's a new product out, a, a recovery drink, a sports drink. I think it's called Propel. Maybe, maybe you've come across it. And they, when they launched the product, they had this sort of fancy schmancy research study that they'd done. And they said they had come up with the precise ratio of proteins to carbohydrates that, you know, is best for recovery. Does that, do you remember that when I, I recall yeah. that and, uh, and their exercise scientists had come up with this ratio of four to one carbohydrates to protein as being the optimal sort of recovery ratio. Does that sound right yeah, to you? Yeah, that's fine. So they come okay. out with this sports drink, basically, um, that's four to one. It's got a little whey protein in there, and it's got some sugar, basically, some high fructose okay. corn syrup providing the, providing the uh, carbohydrates in this magical like four to one ratio. And they were, uh, you know, selling this sports drink for a couple of bucks a bottle. The, the research is all well and good, four to one. That sounds about right. But guess what? That's pretty much the ratio of milk. You know, and, and it doesn't have to be milk, but it, it doesn't have to be a magical sports drink. Um, a, a meal of protein and carbohydrates afterwards, you want some protein to help repair the muscles. You want some carbohydrates to replenish the lost energy stores, the, the glycogen in the muscles. And, and, and four to one is as good a ratio as any, but you could get that from, uh, from a, an, an engineered sports drink, or you can get it from... A smoothie, you know, like a yogurt-based smoothie or, or yogurt or um, eggs and a whole grain piece of toast, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to do that. But you do want to eat after your workouts. And how soon after a workout would be the most optimum time to eat? I don't know about you, Amy, but if I've worked out pretty hard, I sometimes get a, a, a slight, has like an appetite suppressant effect. Do you notice that? Yes, like for about an hour. Yeah, not much more than that. And sometimes... No, and then I'm ravenous. Exactly. I've noticed that too. And I think that's pretty common uh, after a, a heavy... Like after a spinning class when you're really sweating mm -hmm. bullets, you get off the bike, the last thing you want to do is eat. You don't feel hungry at all. Right. But then about 30, 40... Like by the time you finished your shower and you've blown dry your hair Bolt and you're... Food right, now. you're hungry, you're ready. And I think that's probably the pretty much the optimal time frame is about an hour after your workout. Sooner if you feel like it, and hopefully within two hours. So, so I guess that window is as soon as you feel like it up until two hours after your workout, go ahead and get that some, some high quality carbohydrates and protein in there so that when you teach your next class, you go to your next workout, you're stocked. Is there anything, Monica, that you would recommend staying away from just in a general sense for health and fitness? Uh, you mean just foods that I don't think are terribly healthy? Yeah. Just kind of just general advice for us. Well, now, when you say for us, I, I know I'm speaking mostly to uh, pretty hardcore exercisers. And, um, and I can't even put myself in that category. I, I, I kind of ring the bell on my minimum workouts, but I don't probably work out like you do. But if you're taking a spinning class, you're in the 10%. People who exercise very diligently, who work out, who are in good shape, they buy themselves some slack. Because here's the thing, the food that I think is most damaging to the general population 
is sugar. We, we eat way too much refined sugar. It's probably the most damaging kind of calorie that, that we can eat. And I think that it has a lot to do with our obesity. I hate these words because we hear them like every five minutes, but our obesity epidemic, I think it has a lot to do with sugar. And, and so when I'm looking at like people who are exercising minimally or they're, they're not really meeting the exercise requirements and they're overweight and, and I'm asked to make one recommendation, my one recommendation has to be cut out the sugar. But the good news is that people who exercise, and I mean, you know, intensely, people who exercise hard, they buy themselves the right to enjoy a little bit more sugar than the rest of us. Because when you're in good shape and you're exercising hard, your body metabolizes sugar differently and better than it does when you're not. Isn't that the greatest news? That is good news. So I'm not talking about going overboard and going crazy here, but um, y- you can enjoy a little bit of um, uh, of the sweet stuff, you know, especially right after a workout. That's when your body can best process that sugar in, in the least damaging possible way is right after a workout. But yeah, I think that the, the foods that most of us need to to watch out most for our refined sugars because although athletes can handle them better than most, let's face it, they're, they're nutritionally bankrupt. You know, they don't really do anything for you and they always taste like more, you know, like one bite leads to the next. They have that sort of seductive quality. Some people say addictive that leads you down, you know, that path to overconsumption. So, so sugar is one to stay away from. And I'm not as fat phobic as many people in the sort of public health uh, arena. I don't think fat is as big a problem as many people do. But I will say that trans fats really look to be, and those are, you know, the hydrogenated oils and and things that are made in deep fat frying, look to be every bit as bad and worse than we suspected. I mean, they really are bad news. Okay, so we need to look out for sugar and the culprits in sugar. Monica, can you describe you're not just going to see sugar. We're going to see high fructose corn syrup. We're also going to see what else, how else is it described, Monica, in labels? Well, anything that ends in the word syrup is is usually a sugar. You know, they they try to, um, maybe they're not trying to be deceptive, but, or maybe they are. Maybe they are. But we don't know. You find sugar um, in a lot of different ingredients. Sometimes they're sort of foreign sounding, so you might not recognize it right off the bat as sugar. Also, um, manufacturers often use many different types of sugar or sources of sugar in in one product. So maybe... uh, in gross terms, instead of one cup of sugar, they might use two tablespoons of white sugar, two tablespoons of malt syrup, two tablespoons of high fructose corn syrup, you know, and so on down the line. So that each ingredient, they use a lot less and that allows them to put them way later in the ingredient list. Okay. And so it sort of um, covers up the fact that sugar is making up a a huge portion of the calories in that food. So my guidelines are uh, look for, you know, anything with the word sugar, anything with the syrup, malt is a word that usually is attached to sugar, um, and anything ending in O-S-E, glucose, fructose, um, you know, those sorts of things. Those are all sugars. If you see those words near the beginning of the list or you see a whole bunch of them anywhere in the list, then that's a tip-off that that food contains a lot of sugar. And also our nutrition facts labels now list the sugar. That's sort of new in the last several years. You know, up in that little box where they show you, you know, the calories and and the fat and the protein and the carbohydrates. They now list sugars. They now list sugars. And so that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Perfect. I wouldn't worry about the sugars in fruit. 
um, I would limit the sugars from fruit juice. Okay. So whole fruit, fine, but juices take a look at. Uh, yeah. And, and some of the um, smoothies, you know, uh, at, and the juice bars, you know, where you get all the, um, the fruity drinks, they are surprising, you know, in cities like uh, New York City, where they have to put the calorie counts on the menu. I think people have had aha moments when they walk into Jamba Juice for their super healthy strawberry, orange, freezy, fruity, floaty thing. And it's 1,800 calories. Yeah, it's like 750 calories for something that you thought was like a little, you know, helping of fruit on the way to work. A little tie over 200 calorie number. (sighs) The fruit just just adds up so quickly. And my other sort of um, bugaboo, especially for kids, are the sports drinks, the Gatorade and whatever. They are lower in sugar than soda pop. But I think moms see them as kind of health pluses, like, yeah, the more the better, Gatorade. Um, And, you know, three or four big bottles of that will add up to a couple of sodas. I wish you could see me rolling my eyes right now. I have an 18 and a 15-year-old, and all I can say is water. Right, exactly. You know, unless, now, these kids who train in Minnesota is a big football state, right? Big football, big hockey Right, but hockey is a cold weather thing. Um, I do get concerned about like in the southern states where the football is big and they start training in August and, and they sweating. have those long, long, right, and they're sweating out there for hour after hour after hour after hour. Then you really do need to be replacing those electrolytes. But um, for the for the soccer mom who's going to go in for a 45-minute step class. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Water's uh, great. Yeah, but water's fine. Water's fine. Perfect. That's, and then you, know, you guys, the, the trans fats. Um, right. Anything hydrogenated? Right. Uh, whether partially or otherwise, anything hydrogenated. Put it back and, on the shelf. Right. And pretty much all the fried snacks, the potato chips and the um, French fries, of course, those are all, all fried. You just don't want that stuff in your body. If you, if you have it, um, hankered for French fries, make some oven fries, you know, cut up the potatoes, uh, make some sweet potatoes in there for some extra beta carotene. Brush them with a little oil, salt, pepper, put them on a baking sheet at 400, 425 or something till they're nice and crisp. Go that way for your fry fix instead of the, the deep fried. Perfect. And then I have one last question for you. Are you my favorite person that loves sweetest fish? Oh, do you share my addiction? Yes. My grandma used to take me to Dayton's downtown Minneapolis. I admitted that in a podcast and I, I got a lot of emails about that. I love them. I love them. I love, love them. With them. A hot passion. Me too. Um, and I had a reader email me and said, how did you, how do you kick the habit? And, and, uh, and I basically told her that I only have them every once in a while. I buy them in very small quantities, like not in the package that you get at the drugstore, the big, but I buy them at a little candy shop where I can get them to put like 12 in a cute little paper bag for me. You know, so that I know when to stop. And my kids love them too. I've passed oh, it so on. Funny. But only the red color, right? Well, I like them the all, green, the but my oh, yeah. favorite are the oh, reds. God. Beyond, beyond fabulous. Oh, yeah. they're so good. And that's when I fell in love with you. I just have to tell you that. <laughs> this is, that's a big part of why I work out, Amy, is to, is so that I can have some Swedish fish every now and then. <laughs> I have to thank my grandma Hazel for that addiction. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. Yeah, thanks, Grandma. Took me downtown when I was six, and ever since then, Grandma, I've loved them. So, Monica, thank you so much for being with us. Please tell my listeners how they can reach you. 
Um, you can find the podcast along with Amy's at iTunes or the show's website is nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com and they can also look through the show archives and find past shows. And uh, we have a whole network of podcasts called the Quick and Dirty Tips Network with tips uh, on nutrition and all kinds of other things, uh, everything from manners to travel to parenting to investing. It's a, it's a great bunch of folks that I work with over there. So if you go to check out my show, you might want to browse around and look at some of the other quick and dirty tips shows as well. I want to thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. Let's do it again. That's Monica. Thank you so much. And you can reach me, you guys, Amy Joe at groupfitnessradio.com. And as always, thank you for joining me and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. This has been a production of Deep Breath In LLC, and you can find us at groupfitnessradio.com. A special thanks to my technical producer, Mike Carmel.